The text for our morning's message will be in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and verse 2 will be our text. And as you're turning there, you're probably asking, here again? Haven't we been here for like three weeks? Yep. We're going to stay here for another two. And as you're turning there, let me just ask a simple question. Are you familiar with these verses by now? Are you getting used to kind of how they sound and the phrasing there and you're beginning to recognize the flow? Hopefully. And if you've been paying attention, which I believe you have, you can probably halfway quote them by now, if not all the way. Isn't that the point? To hide the Word of God in our hearts so we don't sin against Him? And we become familiar with it and it becomes ingrained in our hearts. And you may not... You may not be able to quote them. You may not be able to remember exactly everything that we've said about them, but you have a sense. You have a sense about what it means to be a living sacrifice. And if you have that sense and you have that kind of an understanding, that means I've done my job. In Nehemiah chapter 8, it says this, the preacher stood up to read in the book of the law of God distinctly, and they gave the sense and they caused the people to understand the reading. That's my job. So I hope over these past few weeks we've got a better understanding. And I want to finish up with a few thoughts this morning and maybe give a bit more sense on living righteously. So let's look at the text, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come to you again this morning. We are thankful for all that you've done, your great grace and your great mercy. Thank you for the the time that we have to come together and to sing songs, to open the Word together and ask that You be with us now as we do that. Help us to focus on You and not our fears or not the distractions that might take our attention away, but help us to, to listen with open hearts and with open minds that You would, by Your Spirit, teach us what we need to learn today. Please give me grace to speak what is needed and nothing more, Lord, and please move among us as only You can do. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking at with some detail what it means to live righteously. In fact, that's been the title of the messages, Living Righteously, Part 1, 2, and 3, and today we're at Part 4. Because it's pretty important, isn't it, that we live righteously, that we live as an example. We've seen the need for it. Paul is begging this church. He's coming alongside them and saying, hey, this is something we need to do. I beseech you. The church must live as the church in today's day and age. While the trend is to blend in, to not make a scene, and to not be noticed, we see the damage that it has caused. We, as God's church, are called to go against that trend. No, I want people to know exactly who I serve. That I serve God. And I want them to know with out any doubt the great power that God has to change our eternities and to change our lives and to work in our lives. Well, the way people will see that is if we live righteously. To live in a way that He is seen. 
And Paul uses the term here, living sacrifice. And that really is a good definition of God's call on our life. That we are to live as alive to God and dead to sin. That that old man, the temptations, all that comes with that is put to death. It's defeated at the cross and I put it to death by the power of the blood of Christ in my life. And I live as alive to Him and His Word and His will. We've detailed that and looked at what that means. And that this is much more than some internal reality. That this is like some secret in our heart. Shh, don't tell anybody. You know, It's me and God and we got it good. Which is how most people's Christianity works out, right? It's good when we're in church, but better be quiet outside the doors. Somebody might know. Can you imagine if my friends found out that I love Jesus? <laughs> Even that phrase we think is weird. As a grown man, 38 years old, almost 39, I'm getting to the top of the hill. <laughs> I should have no, no hesitation to say I love Jesus. And if there is, I need to check my own heart. I don't care who knows it. I don't care who hears it. I love Jesus because Jesus has done so much for me. It's not some internal reality. It's very much physical. Like what we place before our eyes. What are you looking at on a daily basis? What we allow in our ears. What are you listening to? Music, influence, all of that. How we speak, what comes out of our mouth, the words we use, how we use those words, that's what it means. That's what being a living sacrifice entails. And we've probably all seen we've got room to grow in that, right? Have you noticed that? Have you been kind of paying attention these past few weeks, what you see? Are you turning your eyes away? Whoa, I don't... I'm going to flip right past that or I'm going to block that account. I'm not going to go to that page anymore. Have you noticed? Have you turned the radio off to a different station or maybe turned the news off? Have you been thinking a little bit more about these things? I found that I have. What am I allowing to influence me? What am I seeing? What am I speaking with? What kind of words am I using? So yeah, it, it has an impact on our life. We're following the pattern of an old children's song, but also relevant. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, and ears, what you hear, and mouth, what you say. I want to finish up with the last two little bits of that song this morning. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above, He is looking down in love. So be careful. Our hands and our feet. What we do and where we go. These are pretty big, aren't they? Pretty big. It's one of those things you kind of sit back and begin to think, and wow, this covers a lot of my life. And it's just as important as the others. While what you see and what you hear and what you say have a lot to do with like specific actions or reactions, most of the times we get in trouble because we say something in reaction. We shouldn't. <laughs> and then we have to deal with the consequences, right? What we do and where we go have everything to do with our everyday life, don't they? Like the tone of it. What's the tone of our life? Is it godly or is it not? 
Because what you do and where you go defines that. It defines who you are. These two areas talk about who you are. And I suppose we could get into the specifics about our hands and our feet. And the Bible talks a lot about it. You know the Bible tells us not to fight. The Bible tells us not to murder. Not to commit adultery or sexual immorality. It talks about staying away from certain places. Proverbs 4 and 5 are excellent passages on that. To stay away from that woman or that man's house. It talks about feet that run to mischief. We could spend a lot of time with that because the Bible's very clear on it. And there are certainly some things we shouldn't do with our hands, right? Pop a top on a beer, roll a joint, hit somebody, pick your nose. <laughs> There's a lot of things we shouldn't do. And there are certainly some places Christians shouldn't go. But, Pastor, they have great hot wings. Honestly, I was at the bar to witness to that guy. You get the point. There's some things we shouldn't do and some places we shouldn't go. Ideas that used to be well understood in the generations that came before us, there was just some things Christians don't do because we're different now. We've been saved. We're not the same person we were before. So it used to be understood there's some things we might have used to do and that the world does that we just don't do anymore. But in the wake of the hyper grace, no rules, don't judge me because I want to live like the world and I'm going to do what I want to do movement, there's a need to redefine some of these things. Because the other way hasn't worked. There are those who claim the name of Christianity and say that once you are saved, what you do after that does not matter because it's all covered by the blood of Christ. Now listen, all of our sins are forgiven by the blood of Christ, period. All of our past sins and the ones that we ask for in repentance are covered, but that is not a free license to sin. It's not a free license to go get wasted on the weekends and show up to church and say, hey, it's all good. Or to cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband or to do everything and anything that the world does and to simply claim the name of Christ and that erases everything and has no responsibility for righteous living. That is false. And you know what it's done? It's damaged the name of Christianity. Hypocrites is the term that comes to mind. What does Paul say? Romans 6 and 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! No! You've got a new life now. There's some things that we, who have experienced the eternal changing grace of God, eternity changing grace of God, there's some things we should do right here and right now, and some things we shouldn't do. It's a pretty simple concept. We're His now, right? And we could drill down and we could go through a whole list of specifics. But what I want to, to do this morning is I want us to think on a bigger scope. A bigger scope. 
Because the, the scope of what Paul's saying and saying, hey, you guys need to present your bodies a living sacrifice, it's bigger than just the specifics. Sometimes that's what we want to know. Okay, tell me the rules so I know exactly what I have to do. And it usually means, that means I know exactly where I can fudge a little bit and get around the rules. Well, he didn't say don't do this. That's our human nature. Now, the scope is bigger. It's bigger than that. And if we get the big picture the specifics will line up. We'll understand the specifics if we get the bigger picture. I mentioned this already, but I think what I'm kind of trying to get at this morning with, with uh, the message is could be summed up in the phrase, uh, who are you? Who are you? Step back and assess your life. Take a good look at not the holy I'm in church right now so everything's good vision. (laughs) You always have the right answer sitting in the pew. No, step back and really assess who am I? What is our life consumed with? What is the whole tone of my life? What is the goal of it? What what controls the day-to-day? Because that's what we're talking about. And is it truly a living sacrifice for Him? Think of it. Let me give you a couple things or a couple aspects to think of it. Think of it this way. You meet somebody, you make conversation, what happens? Sooner or later, this question is going to come up. So what do you do? Right? You ever heard that question? Anybody ever been asked that question? So what do you do? What's our answer? I wonder. I just wonder. Has anyone ever answered, I'm a servant of God, I serve Him, I read His Word, and I go to church, and I love Him? Probably not, because that would be weird. Oh, may the Lord change our hearts on some things. No, we usually answer with our vocation, our job, right? Which is nothing wrong with that, because that's mostly what we do, isn't it? That's what most of our time is spent doing with our hands. And it's been a part of the human existence from day one, literally. God made Adam and then God placed Adam in the garden to tend and keep the garden. So from day one, working with our hands has been a part of human existence. And Scripture honors that. It is righteous to earn a living. It is righteous by the sweat of our brow to provide for our families, to work with our hands or work with your minds for those who may be more like Jacob than Esau. We go and we earn a living with our hands. And it's honorable. And let me just say, top slot on the honor list, in my opinion, is the stay-at-home mom. Because she has a job <laughs> I do not think I could do. Mom, 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 mom. I hear dad three times. I'm snapping. What, what? What do you want? Mom, 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 mom. God bless you. Stay at home, moms. It's an honorable job. Going and providing for our family is an honorable thing. 
So then, if it's honorable and it's scriptural, it is. If it's not going to work, don't let him eat. Let's just say that right from the get-go. That's what the scripture says. If this is an honorable and a righteous and a God-provided thing to do, it becomes very important that God is evident in that, doesn't it? If that's what we spend most of our time doing, most of what our hands do is earn a living and, and serve God in that way, then it is important that God is shown in it, isn't it? That God is evident in what we do. So that's the question. Is God shown in it? Or is he hidden? Do people have to guess? Like I think, I don't know. Or is he shown? And there's some cautions here, some things we need to consider. One of them is that we have the tendency to kind of separate those parts of our lives. Like we have the church us and the work us. Like they're two separate things. Why? Is not what we do with our hands on a daily basis part of who we are? It is. And certainly, serving God and, and, and honoring Him is part of who we are. They're not two separate things. They're all part of the same. Now, while, while we... Excuse me. While what we do is part of who we are. Let me just say this quickly. It's not the total definition of who we are. You understand there's some people who if they lost their job, they have no sense of self-worth. They have no sense of self because their whole identity is tied up in their vocation. That's not where your identity lies. Your identity lies in Christ. First and foremost, you are His child, His servant. Everything lines up under and comes in submission to that. And we must not separate that from being a living sacrifice. It's part of it. And the other caution is we've we got to be careful not to let it take precedence over Him. It's important that we learn, earn a living. It's important that we, we go out there and provide for our families. And us as fathers and us as husbands know the burden that comes with that, right? That's something that's always in our minds. We have to go and provide. And it's a righteous thing. But just be careful that we don't let it take precedence over Him. To the point where we can begin to forsake Him. You know, we, can, we, we understand this. We can get busy at our jobs and get wrapped up in the things that we have to do so that our job can take us away from spending time with our spouse and having a healthy relationship with him or her and our families and we don't we're not around them very much can't we do the same with god right we can do the same with god instead we need to put it in its right place and understand how it all fits in it's part of who we are and it's part of being a living sacrifice. So then, as we go out and we do with our hands what we find to do, let's remember some things. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. You know, I have a responsibility to my employer, but ultimately my responsibility goes past that to God. So while I am at my job doing my job, I am to be doing it as unto Him. Because ultimately it's provided by Him, isn't it? I hope you know that. You have your job because of God. 
It is God who has provided that to you. We have unique abilities and, 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 and strengths, but ultimately it's God who provides all of that. So let's work at our jobs as unto Him. Look down the page, Romans chapter 12. Look down the page at verse 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We ought not to be those who milk the clock or just kind of stand around just to get a paycheck. No. Serving the Lord. Because it's part of who you are. So when you go to work, glorify God at work. Do people see God in you with your attitude? Or do you show up saying, this stinks, I hate this place, don't talk to me for the next eight hours, I'm just here until quitting time and then I'm gone? Or do they sense something about you? Glorify God with and in your work. Do people see there's something about your character and the way that you do the things that you do? And above all, glorify God above your work. So when you answer that question, what do you do? Whatever your answer may be, they can see God in it. Because you've sacrificed that to Him. What about another aspect? You could get asked the question, well, where do you like to go? Ever been asked that question? Sure, we do. Anyone who knows me I, knows that I love some places to go. I love to go to the mountains. I feel closer to God there. I see His glory there unlike any other place. And maybe you have your places or your favorite things to do, places to go. The simple question is, does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? Really, pastor, is it that important? Uh, yeah. Because there's some places I could go that would hurt my witness. What if I told you all I love Mardi Gras? And I go every year. That would cause some questions, wouldn't it? He said, what? <laughs> you, said, you go, where? Well, you guys got to try this bar down the road. The fries are awesome. Some things could hurt my witness, couldn't they? So uh, there are some things I step off and say, you know what? <laughs> It's better if I don't. You know, there's places I haven't gone on vacation since I've been a pastor for a simple reason. I don't want my witness to fall. Havasu. I've been to Havasu 33 years in a row until recently. Because I just feel I'd rather just kind of keep myself from some questions. Listen, that, that's in your own heart. You know in your own heart, how this works out. The, the main thing is, are we thinking along those lines? Are we thinking along? Is it even in our wheelhouse? And be willing to make changes if needed. Listen, let me tell you this morning of a place that's always safe to go. It's always family friendly. And it won't hurt your witness. And I'm speaking to the choir because you hear, but this is something that seems to be in the past several months, something that's been forgotten and forsaken. Hey, it's good to go to church. I don't care what anybody says out there. It's always good to go to church. But pastor, there's a pandemic. And the government says this. And the mayor says this. Let me be very clear. They do not control the house of God. And they will try to control you. 
And though they will try to control us, and they'll do it by fear, and they'll do it by threats. I've been reading in the book of Acts, the boldness of the apostles when they stood up and said, we will obey God rather than men. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Do you remember that? Be careful what you allow to influence because they're going to tell you everybody's dropping dead around you. Cases are up. Yeah, so is testing. You're going to get more positives. And what's a case? Is it somebody lying in a hospital on a ventilator or is it somebody who has it? Filter these things. Be discerning. And hospitals are said to have the potential and the possibility of being overwhelmed. The potential and the possibility didn't say they are. But that's the message. I was telling somebody this morning right before we started, I wish I could just get the flat truth. (laughs) Not from one side or the other. You have to kind of filter through all of this, right? All that to say, it's been used to control us. Not saying it's not real, but it's been used to control us to the point where people are scared to come worship God. Coming to church is viewed as dangerous in our day and age. We need to free our mind of some things. Do you think God is going to kill you for coming to church? Don't let stuff like that control. Let's be careful. Let's be cautious. But let's not let it control us. Instead, we need to to guide our life to give glory to Him. Because you realize, maybe it's the realm of of the pressure and the, the, uh, the fear of the pandemic that's going on. Or maybe, hey, let's take it over here. Maybe it's peer pressure. Maybe it's peer pressure. And that stuff isn't just relegated to school, by the way. Hey, man, get a drink. Come on, have a drink. Why don't you come have a drink with us? What's wrong with you that you don't want to? You really don't like us? Why don't you just come have a drink? There can be pressure put on us to where we begin to compromise. We begin to let some of that control us. We could go a hundred different realms, but you're familiar with that, right? No, no, no. We don't let outside influence guide us. We guide our life under the influence of the Savior. So what I do and where I go, I want to give glory to Him always. Always. The Bible speaks a lot about this. Um, I want you to read a couple verses with me. And these verses, at least in the version that I preach from the King James, is going to use a good old word. The word is conversation conversation. We're used to it like uh, two people exchanging speeches. But the word means something deeper than that. It means your manner of life, your conduct, your behavior. And some of your translations might translate it that way. But I just want you to see that. When we're going to read the word conversation, it means your manner of life, how you live your life. So let's look at a couple verses. Philippians, hook it right from Romans. You'll pass uh, 1 and 2 Corinthians. You hit Ephesians and you run right into Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Just to give you some thoughts on on the whole tone of our life. 
Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul writing to the church of Philippi says this, Philippians 1, 27, Only let your conversation, your manner of life, your behavior, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So does it. What you're going to say to your friends tomorrow, where you're going to go tonight, what you're going to do next Saturday, does it show the gospel? Does it show that you love Jesus and you don't care who knows it? You don't care what people say because you know how the gospel has changed you. So do I live my life in a manner that the gospel is seen? Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Do I do things that detract away from the gospel? In the public eye? In the private eye? Could your wife, could your spouse, could your parents open your phone right now and go through it and have no problem? Like zero problem. Or do you got passwords that only you know? So nobody else sees it. Well, nobody sees it, so it's, it's okay. It's off limits. No. Be careful little eyes what you see. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel when people are watching and when people are not because God sees all. God sees all. Unless you think this is just for me as a pastor, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. No, 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. Young people, read this. See it. Underline it in your Bible. I hope you have a Bible. Underline it. Look what God is saying to you. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth. Have you given him a reason? Are you acting like a knucklehead? Or are you different? Do you say, do, do, do you respond in a sweet manner to authority? Yes, sir. No, ma'am. I'm not that old. <laughs> I, well, in my own mind, I'm not, I guess. But you know what? When there's a younger person that speaks to me and says, yes, sir, that changes my whole perception. Or even that calls me pastor. Rather than someone, say, someone that says, hey, you. <laughs> Let no man despise thy youth. Keep reading. But be an example of the believers. Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in the way that you live your life, in charity and faith, in purity. Be an example of the believers. Can somebody look at you and your life and your actions and say, That's true for all of us. You want to know a servant of God? Look at sister so-and-so. Look at brother so-and-so. Yeah, I know they're only 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. But look at how they live. Can they do that with you? If not, maybe you ought to repent of some things. Be an example of the believers. Not an example of how not to be. 
I don't know where along the lines we got the idea that it's cool to live like the world. Let me just tell you by experience, you keep doing that, you're going to wreck some things. And you're going you're to cause yourself unneeded heartache. Stay away from the stuff in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're running out of time. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at a couple more things here. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Can they see God by the things that you do, the things that you say, the places that you go? Can this world examine my life? Because they will. Can they examine my life and say, that is a Christian? Or do they say, meh, looks just like us. He's one of us. Chris, he goes to church? Oh, come on, man. He, he, he's one of us. Which one does our life show? Chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Peter 3 and 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is within you in meekness and fear. Having a good conscience. Do you have that this morning? You have a good conscience for the way you've lived the past week. For every word that's come out of your mouth. For every thought that's run through your head. For everything you've looked at on a cell phone. For the way that you've treated everybody. You got a good conscience? having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Does the accusations stick? Or do they got nothing to say? I pray for me, they've got nothing to say. They can try was referenced this morning in the devotional. Who shall lay a charge to God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Romans chapter 8. Is my life justified in Him? Because I'm living it for Him. Can they say anything or is the whole tone of your life one that points to Him? If not, maybe it's time to make some corrections. Psalm 50 and verse 23 says this, Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation rightly will I show the salvation of God. The question is, if our life, if the tone of our life and our actions and all that goes along with that, is, if it's not where it should be, are we willing to make the changes? I mean, do you even care? Do you care how your witness is? Do you care what people see and what they hear from you and what you say to them? Or do you not give a rip if they see Christ in you? Do you understand? Sometimes that is our mindset. That we don't care if people go to hell. That we don't care that I could be that one light that one light that shows them Christ. You understand? There's a good old statement that only Jesus some people might see is in you. You ever heard that before? And if we're not caring what we say and what we do and where we go, oh, this is very important, isn't it, beloved? 
does who we are radiate God? Is it God-soaked? So that people, when they meet us, they can't get around it. They're going to hear God in what we say. They're going to hear God in how we carry ourselves. They're going to see Him all around because I have given myself as a living sacrifice to Him. Or do you just turn it on for church, for that Facebook post, that social media post, to look like you're holy? But is it who you are? Listen, beloved, your friends... Your family, this world needs Christians, needs servants of God who are totally in. Not one foot in, one foot out, playing around at it as if it's some extracurricular activity. They need us, the church of God, to be totally in. Giving ourselves as a sacrifice for Him. They'll notice. They'll see it. Your employer needs you totally in. Because it just might be that doors might be opened and the gospel could be given. Given because the gospel was shown. So is our lives where they need to be? It's going to start in your own heart. Dads, you got to lead in this. Husbands, you got to lead in this. We need to be the man that God has called us to be and then lead our families the same way. Too often there's a breakdown and Dad isn't where he needs to be. I'm not where I need to be too often. And Mom has to pick up the slack, doesn't she? We need to... Our family needs us to be leading in this. We could go many other, day, other ways. We don't have time. But do you see how large the scope of this is now? How this encompasses like all that we do. Being a living sacrifice is not showing up to church on time, opening a Bible when this pastor says, turn to this scripture, and then leaving and forgetting it all. It encompasses every waking moment of the rest of our life. Is it all given to Him? We do not have time to spend on these, but go back to Romans 12. I just want you to look at two points and we'll be done. Romans 12 and the end of verse 1. says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. Reasonable means logical. It's not outside the bounds of reality. It means like we read this and hear it and say, okay, that makes sense. Not, Lord, you want me to go to church? Lord, you want me to give back some money that you gave me already? You, you want me to read my Bible? You, read me, you want me to stop drinking and cussing and acting like the world and you want me to live a little bit differently like I, uh, than I did before I was saved? Really, Lord? Oh, we squawk about the silliest things. And the answer to that is yes, yes, He does. And it's not unreasonable for us to do so. No, it makes sense after all that He has done for us. All that He has done for us. All that He continues to do for us. 
Last thing to consider, and we'll close. End of verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove. Like we got something to prove. Seems a lot of kids today, a lot of people today, got something to prove. They're walking around like they're just going to beat you up if you look at them wrong. I'm, that was that way when I was in high school. You got to walk around hard so people don't mess with you. I see that now. I said, what, what was I? Moron. I was a moron. Well, you got something to prove. No, it's not what he's talking about, though we do have something to prove, don't we? The power of God to change our lives. Hey, you want to know what God can do? Let me tell you some stories. Let me come, come to church and talk to some people here. Hey, God is what he can do with somebody's wrecked, messed up life. But that's not the sense of the word. It's translated in other places like this. Try, test, discern, examine, approve. You get the sense? Here's what he's saying. Try it and you'll see how it's good. God asks us to be a living sacrifice. To present this body and what I do with this body as dead to sin alive to God. He asks for a renewed mind, a transformed mind, which we'll get into next week. And our flesh comes against that sometimes. Like, we don't want to. I want to do what I want to do. What, what, why do you want me to do this? Is this really going to be good? You're asking me to change? And here's what Paul says. Try it out and you'll see. Try it out and you'll see that it's good. It's good for you. Like, if you watch your mouth, it's probably pretty good for you, isn't it? You'll keep yourself out of some trouble. You'll save yourself some drama. If your mind is stayed on Him, you're not panicking. You're probably not out buying panic, panic buying toilet paper right now because you're at peace. It's literally good for you. And Paul says, try it out, you'll see. You'll see that it's acceptable. Did you notice that word is used twice in verse 1 and 2? Present yourself acceptable to Him and you'll find that once you do, that's the acceptable way. That's the way God has set before us. It's not my way, it's His way. And you find, as you do, He does the work. You see, it's perfect. This is what we are saved for. It's complete to serve Him. I'll be living my purpose when I... I am living my purpose when I submit myself to Him. And you know what? There is no greater life than I can think of. No greater peace. No more greater blessing. No more greater fulfillment than following and living in His will. So try it and see. Will you, this morning, present your body a living sacrifice to Him? In all of your life, will you yield to Him so that He is seen unmistakably? Will you stay away from the sin that will destroy you? I'm dead to that. I'm alive to God. And everything that I see and everything that I hear and everything that I speak and everything that I do and everywhere that I go is God going to be seen. After all, that is who you are in Him. You are redeemed. You are saved, transformed, and changed. So will you live like it? Today? Tomorrow? 
not trying to hide it, keep it quiet, but living it. That's a decision that you have to make. I cannot make that for you. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. I pray that you would. Try it and see. See how good God is. See what He can do and the doors that He can open. I pray you would. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask that you take these words that have been spoken. Use them for your glory. Guide our hearts and our minds where we have need in this, this morning, Lord, that you would help us to take a look at our lives and see, am I truly living the way that I need to be, Lord? I pray that right here and right now I would present my body to you, a living sacrifice, that you would be seen in everything that I do and everywhere that I go. Please do the work in the hearts of those here that only you can do, Lord. Lead us and draw us by your grace and mercy. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.